we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. In His presence is found victory. In His presence is found forgiveness, direction, love, destiny. In His presence. I just can't help but believe that there's some of you, you're just tired. And God is offering rest this morning. You've been running. And maybe not doing bad things, just running with life itself. Life itself has just accelerated on you at a pace that is just hard to keep up with. And you're just, you came in here today and you're tired. You're just tired in your spirit. You're tired in your body. You're tired in your mind. But you see, I still believe that one touch of his presence, one moment in his presence, he can refresh us. He can renew us. He can, he can forgive us. Amen. He can give us grace where we need grace, mercy where we need mercy. I don't know if there's anybody in the room that's like me today that needs a little bit of that. If you do, just raise your hands and say, that's me this morning. I just need a little bit of more mercy today, a little more grace today, a little more peace and rest for my spirit today. Amen. I need him. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a praise as we're being seated. Can we do that? Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good. It's good to have you with us this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time at Harvest, welcome. We hope that you feel at home. Uh, our terminology here, uh, you know, churches get their own lingo sometimes, and, they, and, and if you're visiting, you can be lost. So I'm going to fill you in on one thing that we say here, which is you are a forever family, or we are a forever family. And what we mean by that is just simply this. If we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that means we are adopted into his family, and that means we are brothers and sisters together in Christ. Amen? And that is a forever family, amen, that will be together forever and ever and ever. And so that's a beautiful thing that God uh, provides to us. So again, uh, we are excited that you are here. We're happy that you are here. I do want to remind you, we do not traditionally pass the plates. We try to be good because of COVID uh, and not do that. Uh, but there are giving stations, and you can also uh, log on to our website and give online as well. So uh, that's why you haven't seen ushers coming around with offering plates. So we do appreciate all that you do. We're moving forward for the Lord in 21. Amen. Uh, I feel like God's got some great things in store for his church. He's got some great things in store for his people. But I also think that we have to get our minds focused on what God wants. Amen. Pointed in the right direction. Uh, and so today I'm going to be sharing with you the uh, introduction to a, a sermon series that we're beginning today. And I'm excited about this series. Uh, I, I'm excited about every series because it's the word of God. I love the word of God. Um, but we're going to be talking about what it means to be driven driven. And our, our anchor verse for the, this uh, series is going to be found in Mark chapter 1, verse 12. I'm going to share a little bit of that in just a moment. Um, but again, 
the idea and the concept behind this comes through a conference I was able to attend a few years ago at the North Point Church. This is Andy Stanley's church uh, in 2019. They do this every other year. Uh, they offered a conference called Drive Conference, and it was my privilege to go and be a part of that conference. And it is a leadership development de- development catalyst type uh, conference where you uh, have teachers from all over the the world really come in and they just pour into you different things that you can carry back and and uh, just uh, to help your local church and it was just a great conference uh, I love the classes but my favorite part was of course the general sessions of worship and and then just a challenge from the word of God but I was able to do that last uh, time they had it and uh, so as I was praying and we were closing out our Breakthrough 21 series. So uh, again, uh, we we uh, just finished that up last week. As we finished our Breakthrough series, uh, the Lord was already dealing with me about this Drive series. And to be driven of the Spirit of the Lord, to be driven uh, by His hand. Uh, Mark 1.12 says, the Spirit immediately drove him into the wil- out into the wilderness. And I want to stop because I'm not reading that whole chapter, and I'm just going to kind of do a summary of that. I want to encourage you to go back uh, maybe this afternoon. won't take you long reading Mark chapter 1. But this is the story of where Jesus... Jesus is launching his ministry uh, on the earth. He has already stood in the synagogue and announced his ministry uh, by reading in Isaiah about the suffering servant, saying, this day the scriptures fulfilled in your ears. The, the people in his hometown didn't like what they heard. They tried to stone him to death, and uh, the first one of the very first miracles takes place. He kind of disappears out of their midst and passes through them unnoticed uh, because the plan was not to be stoned to death in Nazareth. The plan was that he would minister for three years and then eventually die on Calvary's cross uh, and then be resurrected uh, from by the Father. And so we're going to talk about that in a little more detail. But again, uh, this... This event is one that is marked uh, and is just something that we all uh, are somewhat familiar with. Maybe you're not, maybe you are. But in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has just been, he's been baptized uh, in water by John the Baptist. And the Bible says as he comes up out of the water, first thing I want to note to you is that Jesus, John didn't want to baptize Jesus. John said, I need you to do that to me. Because uh, John recognized who it was. He recognized this is the Son of God, and I need you to baptize me. And Jesus looks at him and says, you've got to suffer this. You've got to put up with this. Why? Because we've got to fulfill. All Scripture has to be fulfilled. And so John, does, knowing the Scripture, does baptize Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus comes up out of the water. And immediately the heavens open, and the Holy Spirit descends uh, in the form of a dove. Okay, Holy Spirit wasn't a dove. He descended in the form of a dove, okay, a visible representation. This was not something that uh, just the super spiritual saw. All the heathens saw it too. Everybody saw it. And then there was a voice from heaven that spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why was God pleased in him? God was pleased in him because he obeyed the word of God. He fulfilled the scripture by being baptized, okay? And so as he was baptized, the spirit of the Lord descends on him in the form of a dove and the Bible says, and it remained upon him. It remained upon him. A very important point in the story. It didn't just come and uh, descend on him and depart. It remained on him. And here's what the result was, verse 12. And then the Spirit immediately drove him. He was driven out into the wilderness, not by the devil, but by the Holy Spirit. And there in that wilderness, he would be tempted. Now, we're not going to break down the temptations today. We're not going really into depth with that. But for the sake of laying the right foundation, 
foundation for this series, I want you to understand he was driven into the wilderness, and there in the wilderness he was tempted of the devil. Not three times, but he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil attacked him. That's why you can flip over in Hebrews and read, in all points he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. Isn't that powerful? Somebody better praise God for that. Because of that, you and I can overcome. Because of that, we can look at temptation and say, no, no, because Jesus overcame temptation. So 40 days he was tempted of the devil. Then we have the three great temptations brought by, by Satan himself, which is uh, recorded in the scripture. But again, the, the spirit drove him to this place. Now, uh, one last point in that story is that God, uh, uh, the son of God did not defeat the devil in temptation by uh, manifestations of the spirit. He defeated the devil with the word of God. And I want to just point out to us real quickly that the Lord, that I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in, in, in everything that is brought out in, in, in the Scriptures as far as the gifts of the Spirit. However, the gifts of the Spirit will never contradict the written Word of God. It will not go against this book. So the Holy Spirit will never give license to sin, so to speak. He will never give you a license to contradict the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will be in line with the written word of God, that's how you know it's genuine. Amen? And the Holy Spirit does not operate our work in a spirit of confusion. How many of you have ever been in a service before and walked out a little bit confused? Okay? That's where you better come to, to, to some counsel in the Word, not somebody's great ideas or great plans. You better listen to what thus saith the Word of the Lord. This is how, the, the, how Jesus defeated the devil, and this is how the church will defeat the devil, rooted and grounded in the Word of God, but also experiencing the manifestations of the Spirit which are also rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Okay, so we're laying that foundation today. Look at somebody and say, hang with him. We're going to get somewhere if you'll hang with me. Keep on the bus. Don't get off yet. All right, stay on the bus. All right, the power of the Holy Spirit can transform lives. Do you believe in that? All right, three or four of us do. This is how we're going to work. Look at somebody by, by, beside you and say, lunchtime's coming. Pastor preaches faster when you say amen. All right, I, you, you, well, that's insulting. Some of y'all just kidding. Some of y'all like, get him going. So anyway, so let's practice it together. Everybody say amen. amen. So if you agree with this, say amen. The power of the Holy Spirit can transform lives. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit can transform churches. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit can transform my family. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit can change the world. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit can do anything it wants to do. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit is true and real. We just completed a series of, called Breakthrough 21, and hopefully we have realized that if we're going to succeed in the year 21, we have to have breakthrough in our life. So whatever has held you back, whatever has, is holding you back from being who God wants you to be, hopefully you're pushing towards breakthrough in that. And as you push through, through uh, your breakthrough and you're experiencing a life of breakthrough, that leads us to this second series of sermons, which is on simply, we must be like Jesus and we must be driven of the Holy Spirit, and we must have the Holy Spirit not just visit us, but remain in us. Amen? How many of you would love to take church home with you? Amen? You want to take the feeling you get here of freedom, the feeling you get here uh, of the presence of God, and take it with you. Guess what? That is absolutely 100% possible if we will allow the Holy Spirit not just to visit with us this morning, but to remain on us as we walk out of these doors 
and go into our lives and into this community. We must have a remaining spirit in our lives, amen, that he is, he is with us. In other words, we must become who God wants us to be. Now, I love old commercials, and every now and then, I grew up, I was born in 1969. I was born in October of 1969, and so I, that means my childhood was in the 70s, and my teenage years was in the 80s, and the 80s rock, and I don't care who says it different, they rock. So anyway, we were, we were bold enough to wear really ugly clothes. Okay. All right. Really ugly clothes, which all the kids are wearing combinations of the 90s and the 80s. And oh my goodness, help us, Jesus. Anyway, some of that stuff I thought was gone forever, but it's back. It's back. Uh, but, but again, I grew up in those eras. And so uh, I, I, I grew up with some old commercials. And so every now and then, you know how your brain will go back and, and all of a sudden you'll randomly think of an old, old, you know, jingles were the big thing in the 70s. And so all of a sudden my mind began to go to those, some of them old commercials. And Tina loves it because I'll sing them to her. And she'll look at me and she'll go, that didn't exist. And by the power of you two, I get to say, told you it did. So there you go. So anyhow, so I'll pick up these old commercials. I'll show them on YouTube. And she's like, that's the dumbest commercial. Well, that's okay. That's okay. It was, it was cool then. Anyhow, um, <laughs> in the 1970s, Chrysler came out with a commercial. And they had a well-known actor. And uh, I'm, uh, does anybody remember the Chrysler Cordobas? Uh, some of y'all will. Okay, this was their luxury car. Okay, you didn't know Chrysler had a luxury car, did you? But this was Chrysler's luxury vehicle. And they, would act, they had a very well-known actor who would come on and say, it, is, you know, it has rich Corinthian leather. Okay, how many of you like was like, man, that's got to be the top leather that is out there, rich Corinthian leather. Man, I've got to have that kind of recliner in my house. So next time you go to, you know, <laughs> next time you go, we, we buy our furniture at, uh, where did I buy it at? Big Lots. So next time you walk in Big Lots, you say, do you have any rich Corinthian leather? <laughs> They're going to look at you and say, no, we got that. So anyway, rich Corinthian leather. So that makes you think this has got to be the top of the top. Well, if you do a little bit of research, it was made in New York. Uh, it was made in um, Newark, New Jersey, in in a factory there. Okay, not too glamorous, but it sells a lot of cars when you say rich Corinthian leather. Now I'm sh I'm sharing that for a reason because just that that kind of set me off a little bit hearing that reference to Corinth because my mind my training my you know my schooling was in it was in theology and biblical studies and so uh, immediately my mind's going to the Bible and I'm thinking rich Corinthian leather who would compare anything to Corinth. Okay, if the Apostle Paul was here, he would say amen to that, and he would get to go to lunch sooner. So anyhow, um, the reference to Corinth is interesting. 2,000 years ago, it would have never been used in any kind of advertising campaign. Uh, when the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the, Corinth, the Corinthian church, he was writing to a defiled church. In other words, Corinth was a defiled city. It was a wicked city. It was an awful place. I mean, it was awful. Okay, it was the pinnacle of wickedness, and now he is writing to a church that has allowed that wickedness to enter into its doors, and he's looking at all them saying, i got to correct some of this mess that you've allowed to come into the, into the church. I want you to understand something today, and I say this with love. I think there's some parallels between the church at Corinth and the modern church of today in America, and we better wake up, and we better listen. We've allowed too much of the world to creep in our doors, and the church has become more like the world than the world becoming more like Jesus. 
And folks, we, we have to make a stand somewhere on what the Word of God says and on the truth of God. If you want the Lord to move and you want Him to work in your life and in our community and in your family, it's going to have to come with a stand on the Word of God. Amen? You will not defeat the, you know, I, I know some spirit-filled people that think they can defeat the devil with a lot of hocus-pocus. I got news for you. You better be careful of how, if, if all you do is you're so caught up in the spirit that you don't know the word of God, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. The devil does not fear you. He fears the word. He fears the word. Why? Because it is our only weapon. Read about the armor of God. It is our only true weapon. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? And we better know how to use it. Amen. I know how to use it. I love the Word of God. We need to love it more. Amen. In other words, this was, now give or take a few years, only 25 years after the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the ascension of Christ, this has only been about 25 years, give or take a few, and now Paul is writing to these people saying, it's not been but 25 years or so, and you're falling apart. Theologically, spiritually, uh, socially, you're falling apart as a church. When you should be growing and you should be stronger, you have become weaker and you've become defiled by the world around you and you have allowed Corinth to get into, your, into the body of Christ and there is a cancer there that is eating away and destroying where the true power of God would move. All right, the, the letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, were written by Paul to correct this behavior. Okay, he writes two letters, not one, but two letters to correct the behavior of the Corinthian church saying, listen, if you don't turn around, if you don't repent, then you are in danger of some things. You've got to get right with God. That's what he was saying to them. Amen. Amen. I'm going to lay it out for you. Get ready. People were engaging in all kinds of worldly activities using God's grace as an excuse to do whatever they wanted to do. Sound familiar? Sounds like our modern world. I'm covered. I'm good. I was baptized. I can do whatever I want. Listen, folks, if we truly love God, don't we want to be more like him? Don't we want to be more like Jesus, not less like Jesus? Come on, folks. If we want to see God's power move, we want to be more like him. It was also divided church. In other words, it had at least four different groups comp uh, uh, competing for the leadership of this church. In other words, they were torn in every direction. They had different ones claiming this and claiming that. This meant it was a disgraced church. And disgraced means degraced or disgraced. Okay? In other words, grace wasn't present. Grace wasn't present in that church because that church was too busy fighting about position and about who would get recognized and who would uh, 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 be, be popular in the church than they were Jesus being popular. Let me just say this to you right now. The day that Harvest Worship Center or any other church lifts up a name higher than the name of Jesus, we're headed downhill fast because it is by the name of Jesus that we are saved. It is by the name of Jesus that we are filled. It is by the name of Jesus Jesus that we will go forward. It is through His grace, His power, and His mercy that this church exists, not ours. Not ours. This is not my church. I didn't die for it. Jesus did. Amen. It's not anybody else's. I got news for you. People that are flexing their muscles saying, this is more congregation. That ain't your congregation. That, I'm telling you, you didn't die for it. Amen. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. You say, you're going to be sweet? Nope. Oh, I'm, I, I'll pray later. <laughs> I'll preach this morning. How did this happen? The members of the church permitted sin to creep in to its, to its gatherings. 
The, the city of Corinth was polluted, filled with all kinds of, of worldly pleasures. And when we use the word worldly pleasures, we all think, well, there's probably some good stuff going on, like, you know, maybe they had a Six Flags. Man, y'all are not getting the jokes today. I'm going to have to go deeper in my repertoire. Maybe they, maybe they have, maybe they, you know, no, worldly pleasures in the sense of they were indulging themselves in every sinful act they could possibly participate in, and now the church was saying, hey, that's all right with us. As a matter of fact, we worship on Sunday, but we can't find our Bibles on Monday. The members of this church permitted this sin to creep in. In other words, about the lowest accusation in the culture of that day, in the Greek culture, did you realize one of the lowest things you could say to somebody is, you must be a Corinthian. It really was. And in the Greek culture, if you really wanted to insult somebody, you didn't say, yo mama. You said, you are a Corinthian. And you were insulting them on the deepest level because this society was so corrupt. People knew what, they, what you were talking about when you said this. So it's interesting to me that we can take a term of Corinthian and we can make it seem luxurious. But isn't that what the devil does? Just like Chrysler talked about rich Corinthian leather, doesn't the devil sell his package of sin in this world? Listen, don't you want this rich pleasure in your life? Don't you want, listen, the, and I'm not one of those preachers to tell you there's no, no, no pleasure in sin because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin. You know what? You have a really good time sinning. Any amens in the house? Oh, come on now. Y'all ain't that churchy. Anybody ever have a good time sinning? Yeah, you did. Alright? Yeah, you did. You've had a good time living what you wanted to live. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. But just like every season, that season comes to an end. There's a payday at the end. Come on, church. There's a payday at the end. You can party all day long, but there's going to be a payday somewhere along the way. You're going to pay for that. And I'm going to tell you, the devil never shows you the payday. He'll never show you. He always holds the ace. I've got news for you. If you want to play cards with the devil, you say, you play cards, I play cards. I don't gamble. I don't have enough money to gamble. I ain't smart enough to win that. What are you saying? You better believe the devil always will have the deck stacked in his favor. And you may win a few hands, but there's always a payday. Folks, there's always going to be. There is pleasure in sin for a season, but then payday comes. Come on. Anybody ever had to pay for a little bit of that in their life? I, I, I'll be the first right here. How many, anybody ever had a payday come along? Anybody ever told a lie and eventually that, that lie ended up being another lie and another lie and another lie and payday came and it all unraveled right before your eyes? Come on, folks. There's always a payday to sin. In other words, he will advertise to the church that this is okay with God when it's not. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to read with me, some very powerful verses says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready 
for, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in the human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Now, I want to stop right there, and we're going to read a little more in a moment. But he goes on, and he begins this. Now, how would you love if I began my sermon this way? Brothers and sisters, I can't address you as being anything good and spiritual because you're not. You're still babies in Christ. You're still infants. After 25 years, some of you who I've led to Christ at first, have, are, you've not gone, you've not progressed in your walk with God. I want to share something in love this morning. There's a lot of people who have never got past Calvary in their walk with God. Now, we will always need Calvary. Do not get me wrong. We will always need Calvary in our lives. If there's a moment of failure, we need Calvary. If there's a moment where I, I make a mistake in this life, a genuine, I, there's Calvary. And I thank God that I still have access to the cross of Jesus. However, folks, we must mature as we grow in the Lord. And if we are still stuck, I shared with my, uh, uh, with my uh, class on Wednesday night, I said, if you're still stuck with felt bored Jesus, you may be in trouble. Now, I love felt board Jesus. Anybody remember felt board Jesus? The older ones in the room do. You know, heathens don't know it, but, you know, I'm just kidding. But felt board Jesus, back when we had children's church, you didn't have PowerPoint and, uh, and all these wonderful things. What you had is you had felt board Jesus. And felt board Jesus was a cutout of Jesus that stuck on the felt board. And they would tell Bible stories by putting different characters on the felt board, okay? Guess what? You can still purchase those. Maybe some of us need to buy some of those. I'll buy one. We'll have it here. We said felt board Jesus. But some of us, we never learned past felt board Jesus. We never got past the cross. And I'm here to tell you, that's what he was saying to the Corinthian church. 25 years since the, since the death of Jesus. And some of y'all are still stuck where you were. And, and, and you're going right back, constantly repenting of the same stuff over and over again. And I'm here to tell you, who the Son is set free is free indeed. When your chains are broken, leave them behind. Walk away from it. You don't have to do it. Listen, that's like you being set free from prison and, 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 and choosing to remain in the cell. You're free to go. I don't think so. I'm going to stay right here. I like it. Not me, buddy. I am out of there. Shawshank Redemption. I am gone. Anybody in the house? Come on. You're going to volunteer. Hey, hey, Sheriff Mark, lock me up. Why? I like it. No. But what do we do with the devil all the time? We, he, Jesus sets us free and we go right back to it and say, chain me back up. Lock me back down. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is saying, he can try to lock the locks, but I broke the lock when I set you free. I broke it out. I got you for all you got to do is shake off the chains and walk out in grace and live a different life. Amen. I don't have to live that way. He says, but you're stuck. You're stuck in your spiritual experience in infancy. Now, how many of you would walk in the nursery? We might have a few infants in there this, today. You walk in the, you know, what would you do if you walk by our nursery and there's a little infant, you know, laying there on the floor, kicking and doing what infants do, 
And the infant was crying a little bit, and the nursery worker was saying, well, if you're hungry, get up and get you something to eat. You'd say, I'm reporting somebody. I'm a telling. Amen. The baby's crying. You can tell it needs to be changed, and you're saying, change yourself. Come on. Feed yourself. Clothe yourself. All the baby knows how to do is when it's not comfortable with the situation is cry. There's a lot of Christians that get uncomfortable in the situation and all they can do is cry. I can't believe he preached that hard. I can't believe he makes people laugh. I can't believe he blah, blah, blah. You've changed your message. I love that one. I'm preaching the same as I've always preached, and I'm not going to stop preaching the way I'm preaching. I'm going to preach the Word of God because one day I don't answer to you. I answer to a higher power, and he's going to say, did you preach the Word of God in love? I'm going to tell you something. We, we need to preach the truth, but let's let it be so clothed in the love of God. You can tell me a lot of harsh things if I know you really love me. Come on. If you know somebody really loves you, they can get away with a lot. She can get away with a lot more than much of y'all. My honey. She, she get away with it. I know she loves me. I know she cares about me. And I know that she's not trying to hurt me. She's trying to help me. Amen. And so we do preach this truth, but we need to preach it with such love that people understand we're not out to just slice you to bits. We're not out to just hurt you. We're trying to help you to grow into maturity in Christ so that you can be driven of the Spirit to do what He has called you to do because God knows our world needs a church to shake the bands of sin off and embrace the holiness of a God that loves them and be what He's called us to be in this hour. There's a world needing to see the truth. Amen. They're looking for a Messiah and everything but the one who really is the Messiah. So he's saying, but you're still infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And then he goes a step further. Oh, don't you love Paul? And he says, and you're still not ready. You're still not ready. I fed you with milk at first because you were a babe in Christ and you needed the milk. But now you've grown. You should be past that. You should be on some solid food. You should be standing a little stronger. You should be able to look at some of these temptations and say, I don't want to give in to you anymore. I've chosen in the past to give in and then I've run back for grace. But I'm tired of the process of constantly giving in to what I want to do and running back to the cross. I want to stay free of that mess. I don't want any more condemnation in my life I want to walk knowing that I am free and I don't have to go back to that come on he's saying I also understand there's jealousy among you there's strife among you because everybody's claiming who they're a fan of he's saying Paul some of you you, you, you team Paul come on true story I got banned from Seeing them vampire movies, the girl ones, Breaking Dawn. I made fun of it so bad at the theater, Tina told me I couldn't go back for part two. <laughs> Broke my heart. <laughs> Still ain't seen it, don't want to see it. Vampires don't glow like disco balls. And <laughs> Come on. Weird. Praying for y'all. But I remember everybody's wearing their little t-shirts. Some of them had them made up, team whatever and team whatever. 
Some of y'all know what it is. Shame. That's all right. She does. What are you saying? This church had their team names set up. Well, I'm, I'm a Paul because Paul's a guy who calls a man, led me to Jesus. What Paul says, that's what I do. Not really, but they were a fan. And some of them, they were, they were team Apollos. Come on. Oh, no, no, no. Apollos, see, Apollos, according to historical records, was an eloquent speaker, much better probably than Paul eloquently speaking. He, he could catch your attention and he could keep your attention. He said, no, I'm, I'm team Apollos. And they were fighting over trivial things, and Paul was calling them on it. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the, gave the, the growth, or the, another translation says the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. I planted, Apollos watered, I gave the growth. I got news for you. There's been a lot of people planting a lot of seed in my life. And there's been a lot of people water my life with the Word of God and, and, and direction and all of these things. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't wear a t-shirt for none of them because they were just instruments of the one who used them. And that was the Spirit of the living God. Jesus Christ himself used them to affect my life. So I am thankful for those who poured into my life through the years. But I'm here to tell you right now, I don't have a t-shirt. My dad's name's Bob and I don't have a t-shirt that says Team Bob. I love my dad. I don't have a, a, a t-shirt that says Team Mom. Her name's Minnie. <laughs> I'm going to filter because I'd love to tell you what she says about that. But her name's Minnie. I don't have a t-shirt that says Team, team Minnie. Dr. Dr. Carden, or I affectionately call him Dr. Bub, Bubba, is a very important mentor in my life. Has been since I was a little boy. Just taught in youth camps, poured into my life, poured into my life, and poured into my life. But as much as I love him, I don't have a Team Bubba shirt on. I'm going to tell you, there's only one name that is worthy to be lifted up in this congregation. It's not Pastor Phil. It's not old Pastor so-and-so from years ago. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the one that saved us. I've never seen anybody saved by a man, but I have seen them transformed and changed through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, I have seen the meanest, ugliest person changed by the power of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We must become spirit-driven. Amen, Pastor. He goes on, he says, So neither he, verse 7, who planted, nor he who watered is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It's only God that can cause things to grow. You can plant you a garden this spring, and as good a garden as you may have, you didn't make that plant grow. God made that plant grow. Growed. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Trying. <laughs> that was good. Anyway, I speak fluent Southern. Anyhow, you can't make that plant grow. You can't make it grow. You didn't make the seeds. 
You didn't make the dirt. You didn't make the water. You didn't make anything. You just put the right combination, and then God did the rest. The right combination to see harvest grow in the church and the body of Christ grow in America is having the right kind of word followed by the right kind of worship with the right kind of flow of his spirit. And my friend, you get that combination right. Growth is a natural result of a healthy body. I want this church to be as healthy as it can be. I want us to be spirit driven. I want us to be who God has called us to be. And I want us to get out of infancy if we're still there into a, into a maturity with Christ. Amen? I'm going to just say this. I said it in the morning service, early service. If you ever find yourself in a place where you don't have church online and you don't have church to come to, you should still be able to be fed and fed well because a mature Christian knows how to feed themselves. Come on. Now, I love for somebody to take care of the cooking. Anybody in the house? Come on. Some of you, you cook at home. All right, but some of you, you going out to eat. I don't care if it's McDonald's. I don't care where. You're going to go out to eat in here in just a little bit. Why? Because you want somebody else to do the cooking on Sunday. Come on. I ain't doing it. I might throw a burger on the grill tonight, but I ain't doing nothing after church because the pastor done wore me out. <laughs> you're going to leave here, and you're going to go find something to eat because somebody else is going to do the cooking Somebody else is going to do the serving. All you got to do is the chewing. That's the truth. That is the honest to God truth. Sometimes we are that way with church. We want somebody to do the cooking, somebody study, do the preparation. And then somebody do the serving. All I want to do is the chewing, and if I don't like what I'm chewing, I'll just spit it out and wait for something better to come along. But I got news for you. From Genesis to Revelations, it's all good. Even the tough meat is good. You just might have to chew it a little longer. But it's good. What are you saying, Pastor? If we are going to be who God has called us to be, to be the church that he has called us to be, we have to grow in our walk with God. We must be a church driven of the Spirit because the Spirit, I've found, never really drives me where I want to go. He drives me where I need to go. Right. And how do I find that? Our anchor verse. Do you think Jesus was like, all right, where are we headed, Holy Spirit, out here in the wilderness? What are we going to do in the wilderness? Well, you're going to be fasting, so you won't need any food. Just bring you a little water. What are we going to be doing in the wilderness, Holy Spirit? Oh, it's going to be a great time. Forty days you're going to be hit by everything that any man or any woman that's 